My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted. You delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot's head, and my tongue sticks to the roof. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil people have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All the descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They will seek the Lord, will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive 
Posterity will serve him. Future generations will, will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. Good morning, and thank you for the invitation to speak with you this morning. I want to invite us to take a moment now of silence. I'm going to enter into a couple of verses from a gospel and a short creative piece to help us move into the reflection for this morning. So may I invite you to just close your eyes. We take a moment to just breathe and be silent. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at that ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Standing by in this scene, one who is watching. I suffer too, Jesus. How my body aches. How I had hoped you could be the answer. I'm one of your unhealed. I look now. All I see is darkness. I'm looking into darkness and I taste the cold and I shiver. I am unsure. My self-esteem is spiraling down. My sense of me confused. My energy to live and work questioned. My hope, but a small flicker of a flame. I've been known to be one of wisdom. One who gives hope to others, leads them to the waters you provide. But now, as I am with you, I am flat on the ground and in total darkness. God, why have you forsaken us? In your own time to come back into the room. I'm aware this morning among us will be those who feel very close to that experience of darkness and suffering. I'm also aware that there may be some of us among here who are walking alongside, loving, caring for someone walking through that darkness. Or there may be those of us who feel particularly churned up about those facing injustice and the persecutions for faith across the world. Together this morning we hear this loud cry of Jesus Christ, from the cross. Strange and curious that it isn't a quiet, hidden voice, but a loud voice that calls out across the generations 
that speaks across the followers of the time there and speaks across those of different political persuasion. Down the generations we hear this voice. And this voice is like a signpost. It sort of turns us towards Psalm 22. Don't we hear in Psalm 22 the agony, the physicality of suffering, the mouth, the roof, the tongue stuck to the roof of the mouth, the bones separating, the insults, everything hurled at this person, the darkness, the agony, and the true identity of Jesus Christ with us in our suffering. There is no experience beyond his experience of suffering. He understands and he knows that darkness. But I feel to just stop there is to forget the bigger story that is happening in Psalm 22. Because in Psalm 22, we are led to the reminder that God created us. We are born of God. We are brought out of the womb by God. We are designed to trust in God. From birth you cast me upon you. You made me trust in you. The psalmist refers us to the parenthood of God. From my mother's womb you have been my God. You made me trust you even at my mother's breast. The nurturing, loving parenthood of God. We are referred to the deliverance of God. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you. You delivered them. In you they trusted. They weren't disappointed. In our suffering, we are pointed to this psalm that tells us these truths of God who has created us, God who's designed us to trust in him, God who parents us in the suffering, God who has promised us the hope of deliverance. And more than that, that God has not hidden his face, from the dis nor disdained or despised the suffering of the afflicted one. This isn't a message of abandonment. This isn't Jesus crying out saying, all is lost, I'm abandoned. This is Jesus saying that God is suffering with us. God is present with us. God is giving us the hope of deliverance, though it is a difficult day now. I want to refer to... Um, an author, a Christian author, and I would want to recommend this book to everybody. So I'm just going to stand here so you can see it. Henri Nguyen, the book is entitled The Inner Voice of Love, A Journey Through Anguish to Freedom. A Journey Through Anguish to Freedom. This is a record of his secret journal. He wrote this at the most difficult time in his life. He describes that time as a time of anguish and exile, a time when he came crashing down, a time when he felt God had abandoned him, a time when he felt it was dark and his anguish paralysed him. He had a physical effect on his body. And in that time, he has those who counsel him and walk alongside him and he chooses to go within himself and face those doubts, face those difficulties, face himself. He says it was like facing his own nothingness. What a dark place to be, facing his own nothingness. But what he came to realise was that this became a time, a period in his life of intense purification 
that gradually led him to a new inner freedom, a new hope, and a new creativity. He writes, God is faithful to God's promises. Before you die, you will find the acceptance and love you crave. It will not come in the way that you expect. It will not follow your needs and wishes, but it will fill your heart and satisfy your deepest desire. There is nothing to hold on to but this promise. Everything else has been taken from you. Cling to this naked promise in faith, for your faith will heal you. Your faith will heal you. In my own life, as a child and an adult, experiencing significant loss and bereavement, in adulthood, sickness and illness that caused me to question my faith, and in quite deep honesty, a huge disappointment in the institution of the church that I loved and the way I was treated. There are two sides to that story, but my experience of that was huge disappointment and pain. But I chose to say, do you know what? I know God. I know God. I know Jesus. I know Holy Spirit. This isn't the end of the story. I want to trust you. I want to trust the hope and the deliverance that you are going to make a new day out of this. And I believe that that has happened for me. I believe that actually what I'm seeing in relationships, in my life, in ministry, is a fruit that I never imagined could be possible. And the fact that I'm actually standing here trying to share that with you is that fruit. I feel as if I'm a kind of witness to that, that truth. Live in the truth of trust. Live in the truth of trust of God because you will be delivered and your faith will heal you. Live in the truth of trust. We kind of know, don't we, when we look at um, the Gospels and we look at the Acts of the Apostles, we know that there were those healings that were immediate and had forward gain. We know this. And I'm really mindful of the story of the man who comes without speech and he's troubled and anguished by the demons tormenting him. And Jesus heals him. This man was without voice, but Jesus restores his wholeness, his peace, and restores his voice. And when I think about many people who suffer and many people who across the world are persecuted for their faith, and they suffer deeply for that, they are often the people without voice. But you see, Jesus has the power to heal, he has the power to restore, and he has the power to give voice, to give voice to those who are persecuted, who are marginalised, and to bring justice. And that is on his heart. That is on his heart. And he will bring deliverance. But I'm also mindful that actually Jesus didn't heal all of first century Palestine. And we know that in the Acts of the Apostles there were those who were beaten, imprisoned. We know there was persecution then. We're just referring to that now. We know that that's the case in our world now. We know people suffer tragedy. We know the truth of that. There are those of us sitting here today who know the tragedy of trauma and loss. It becomes to us, does it not, 
These healings are a sign of a kingdom not yet fully realised, a sign of wholeness not yet fully present, so that God asks us to be sustained by him and wait in the dark, unfulfilled, yet hopeful of the deliverance that he promises you. He promises it me. God is not a God who does not follow through his promise. He does not disdain nor despise the afflicted one. He loves us. He parents us. He created us. He longs for communion with us. This is our God. This is the one who is working and present in our suffering and in our world. We are not forgotten. It is a theology of power and a theology of weakness. We think of kingship. We think of suffering servanthood. God says, my grace... My grace is sufficient for you. Those words do not negate the agony of suffering. They do not say, oh, we're just forgetting that and ignoring that. Because we know from our words from Jesus on the cross, the identification with the prophetic word of Psalm 22, that this is agonizing, this is dark, this is hard. But that psalm promises us deliverance. It promises us our parent God will see us through. Roger Herding writes, it is like the interweaving of a glorious light-filled hope with the checkered landscape of present reality. An interweaving of a glorious light-filled hope with the checkered landscape of present reality. Let me finish with a story from my own life, um, which Dave and I have had a giggle about already down at Quakers Road. Um, because years ago, when I was younger, in um, my youth, as they say, um, I went on an Austrian walking holiday. In, uh, I don't know whether you know the Lake District. The Lake District has big mountains. Austria has even bigger mountains. And I was on this walking holiday, and we came to this point in the walk where there was a ledge on a scree slope, and the scree slope just disappeared away, a sheer drop. And there was just this ledge of uneven um, scree, as you say, and nothing to hold on to. I was terrified. I really was terrified. And I thought, well, I can't go back because I can't remember the way, and I can't stay here because this is a really uncomfortable place to be. So I need to keep moving. And the walking guide at the other side clearly saw that I was terrified and said to me, just keep looking at me and uh, listen to my encouragement and my guidance. When I was preparing for this morning, God brought that image back to me. Because in times of suffering and darkness, we can feel, can't we, that we are like on that ledge. We don't feel we can go back. We really feel uncomfortable where we are. We look ahead and we think that is really difficult terrain and we've got nothing to hold on to. We're completely exposed and vulnerable. But God asks us to keep moving. Keep our eyes fixed on him. Listening to his word, listening to his encouragements, listening for his guidance, and standing in the truth of the hope of that deliverance. 
I want to end with just those words from the Psalm 22. Remembering all the ends of the earth will remember, will turn to the Lord. And all the families of all the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Amen.